Welcome back. We're here for another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. We're, we're doing, doing baseball. Yeah, that's what did we... Did we say that at the same time? We almost did. I didn't finish the ball part. I was like, we're doing baseball. We're doing base. We're doing base. <laughs> <laughs> Together. Yes. And then I'm just balling. Yes. <laughs> You're always balling. Oh, fucking right. Um, we are a baseball history podcast where we take turns sharing stories. From baseball history... And the other one has no idea what the story is. So uh, today, I am telling a story to Ed's, and it is a goddamn treat, let me tell you. Is it? I think so. This is like, shout out out to JP, who's uh, who's been on here before. This is not a sad story. Oh, okay. Thankfully, because we've we've talked about in the last few episodes how they always, JP said they always start great, and then he wants to hug his family at the end. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, you know, I... Do you want to know what makes me want to hug my family? Baseball right now. Baseball right now. (laughs) Yeah, or there's no baseball right now, and... Mm -hmm. You know what? It's just uh, obviously I'm on the players' side uh, in the negotiations, but it's just like, oh my fucking god! At this point, make a deal, and then at the other end, it's just like, oh yeah, pandemic. There is a pandemic going on, and this might not even happen, even if they do make a deal. So you got us. Yeah, we're here. We're here. You can listen to us instead. You, you can listen to us and crack a beer. Yeah, there you go. I got this water bottle oh, going on. Drink some water. It to it. It's summer. It's been cracked. Hydration is. Is it April. summer now? Today, yeah, it's totally fucking summer. Yeah, officially today, mm. I guess, or yesterday, or something. I don't know. It's June twenty second. June twenty second in Toronto, and it's been hot, 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 hot. Uh, all right. So, fucking dying. You ready for this? I'm ready. I guess. Um. You, you you got videos and stuff for me later on? So, yeah, there's going to be... Uh, I'm going to get some reaction uh, audio from Edzy. Uh, seeing a few videos because uh, there is lots of video of this man. So, in 2015, the MLB Network ran a documentary entitled Lenny Randall, the most interesting man in baseball. Lenny Randall. Yep. And I tried to watch that documentary you tried i searched for it all over the internet all over the youtubes i could find a preview i could find a trailer but why the like mlb like not the whole thing no and like i mean i don't it's if just you're the most interesting man it's just it you just, think they would want to convey that i, to I know they like to hold on to their stuff but for the love of god mlb there's a whole generation of people out there that would love if you just threw this stuff up on youtube after a certain number of years sean seems excited so apparently we all need to know about lenny randall so you have seen lenny randall before i have you have there's no fucking doubt in my mind that you have seen multiple highlights of Lenny Randall, okay. two of which you'll be watching in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he's been called baseball's Forrest Gump. Okay. A man who managed to be in front of... It, it, for those, Hold on. For those who uh, can't see us right now, I was just checking the time uh, stamp on the podcast there. As soon as he said Forrest Gump, I just about broke my neck. So I am full attentive here. All right. So... Uh, Yes, he's managed to be front and center for many, 
moments in baseball history, including being coached by some or, or managed, I should say, by by some of the greatest of all time. Uh, there's little doubt. Uh, Randall is one of the biggest stars to ever play the game of baseball, even though his stats were not that of a star player. Okay. So, Leonard... One of the best to ever play baseball, although his stats... No, 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 I said biggest star. Oh, biggest stars. Okay. Biggest star. So that's open to your interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so Lenny Shenoff Randall was born February 12th, 1949 in Long Beach, California. Randall's father, Isaac, was a World War II veteran and had met and befriended a French chef in the Anzio region of Italy during the war. The two of them shared many meals, and their friendship introduced Isaac to fine European cuisine. And in honor of his friend, uh, he promised to name his son Shenhoff. 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 Little Interesting name. It's kind of like roundabout because you gave him the middle name. <laughs> yeah. Like, but but he, we're not giving you the full. We're, we're not going to use your first name, bud. So, but this is what's important. So little did he know, though, that Lenny Shenhoff Randall would one day popularize baseball to the nation where his friendship began. In the same region where his friendship began. Italy. Italy. Okay. Lenny's mother, Ethel, Ethel, sorry, was a seamstress and had eight children, four boys and four girls. Mm-hmm. Both Ethel and Isaac preached education to their children. Uh, growing up in Compton, uh, Lenny excelled at school, especially at sports. He was the captain of both the baseball and football team at Centennial High School in Los Angeles. Uh, in his oh, in his senior year, he was captain. He was only five foot ten and one hundred and seventy pounds, but he was extremely quick and athletic. Uh, mm-hmm. So star in high school. So 1967, he's drafted in the 10th round, 189th overall by the St. Louis Cardinals. What year? Uh, 67. 67. 67. Okay. So, uh, but his parents emphasized education. Uh, he decided to attend uh, Arizona State, where he was a multi-sport athlete. And the starting second baseman on the 1969 NCAA champions, the Sun Devils. Uh, so that... They won the championship that year. That was actually his worst year in college. He, like, had his worst year, but the team had their best year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona won the Western Conference 56 with a record of 56-11. and 11. Uh, They lost their first game of the College World Series to the Texas Longhorns uh, before winning the rest of the tournament. So they just swept out the rest after the first loss. Uh, okay. Ran the table from that point on. Yep. Yeah. In 1970, Randall, who was a switch hitter uh, and an infielder and was able to move around the diamond a bit, uh, hit... 335, despite the Sun Devils taking a step back and not even qualifying for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. After that, he graduated with a Bachelor in Science degree. I believe he has a Master's in Physical Science or something now. Uh, Interesting. Education. In in fact, all of Randall's brothers and sisters would go uh, and get college and university degrees, which is pretty fantastic for a family growing up in Compton in the the 60s. Eight kids, every single one. Uh, so in 1970, he was drafted by the Washington Senators uh, as a, a second baseman, 10th overall. So he's first round pick, 10th overall. He went to AAA Denver of the American Association, uh, and his career didn't start very well. He just hit he hit just 208 over 46 games, but returned to Denver next year and showed off his skills in. 200 over 200 plate appearances he hit 288 but more surprisingly he had a nine or a 390 on base percentage with more walks or with as many walks as strikeouts so he struck out 28 times he walked 28 times Mm -hmm. so that's pretty darn good 
for two hundred at bats. Both your strikeout yeah. rate and your walk rate are insanely good. Right. Not that that would be a big thing back in like no, they wouldn't have gave a shit. <laughs> they wouldn't have gave a shit. Yeah. Uh, on June 16th, 1971, uh, after doing so well in AAA, Lenny Shanhoff Randall made his big league debut for the Senators under Hall of Fame manager Ted Williams. Mm. Uh, Vita Blue was on the, the Boston ma- Spitter. <laughs> yeah. Vita <laughs> Blue was on the mound for the opposing Oakland Athletics and pitched a complete game, striking out Randall twice. Although he did manage to get an infield single on a ground ball deep in the deep in the hole at shortstop. He beat it out. Okay. So first game, Ted Williams is manager. Vita Blue is on the mound. It's first hit off him. Randall did not succeed in his first stint in the MLB either. So he hit just two nineteen and the Senators sucked. They yes. really sucked. And they uh, eventually folded because of it or moved, right? Yeah, we're getting to that. Okay. <laughs> so this, this was Randall's... But yeah, so in 60... They won just 63 games that year, and they were about to be moved to Texas. Right. Um, this was Randall's first taste of baseball history. Uh, he, he was on the field for the last game in Washington Senators history. Uh, where in during the ninth inning with two outs against the Yankees, fans rushed the field, ripped up the grass, stole all the bases and the pitching mound. <laughs> eventually, it was just called a forfeit. The they just uh, they were mad that the team was leaving or, or they were, they were like, just we're drunk gonna, and we're following take the crowd. Every piece of this place we can. Seems and they like did, play. and then they, they did. They even ripped it apart. Even the sod. Yeah. Was um, it sod or I guess it was sod. sod it was then. definitely sod. Um, before the astroturf <laughs> yeah. revolution, just like rolling up a big mat of yeah. astroturf, putting this on your shoulder. It's gonna look great <laughs> on my deck by the trailer. <laughs> so, oh, all right. So the next two seasons, uh, Randall was shuffled back from AAA Spokane and the Rangers. He played just seventy-four games with the big club in seventy-two, and just ten in nineteen seventy-three. And he struggled with his bats in the majors, but still in AAA, in 140 games, he absolutely dominated. Um, he had a 337 on base percentage, uh, once with a great walk and strikeout rate, 39 steals, and yeah, 39 steals, 81 walks, and just 68 strikeouts. So he's just a solid quadruple A player, essentially. At, at this point, right? And he doesn't have any power, he doesn't hit for power. Right. Uh, like I was say when I when I was reading about him and stuff, and he was he's probably more accomplished. But like think of like Eric Sogard esque, okay, like kind of like a guy yeah, that yeah, like yeah. has like spurts of greatness, but but his career. Well, just is, ask Blue Jays fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How awesome Eric Sogard. Yeah, he had a good season in in Oakland. But either way, Lenny does get it. So uh, in 1974, the Rangers decided it was time for him to just sink or swim. Like you're mm-hmm. the starting, mm-hmm. you're starting opening. This is a watershed year for you. yeah. Uh, and swim he did. So, in 151 games, he hit 302 and moved around the diamond, spending most of his time at second base, third base, and the outfield. And he t- played the game hard. He was small and feisty, but he admired his father and former former manager Ted Williams and current manager Billy Martin for their service in wartime and played the game as if it was a war. And, and, then, and he talks about that when he talks about it being, you know, First of all, you're putting your body on the line. Right. Second of all, you're being selfless. It's yeah, for the it's team. It's for the team. It's for the team. And for the greater good. We will see right now. Oh, okay. Here we go. Just how feisty he was. So he's batting. 
Oh, that's fucking beauty. Man, that's not allowed today. <laughs> I don't think it's it not allowed back then. I don't think anyone was ejected for this. This is wow. So anyone who's listening and didn't yeah, see this, I got a, I got a description. Oh, you for got him. a description. I got okay. a description okay. for him. Um, so on May 29th, 1974, just ten days before one of the most ridiculous and embarrassing events in baseball history. Randall would help to set the stage. <laughs> okay. In the fourth inning, after Cleveland pitcher Bob Johnson threw one behind Randall, as you saw there, yes. yeah. he bunted a pitch up the first baseline, ran inside the line, and absolutely clobbered Johnson as he tried to feel the ball and apply a tag. Just decked him. Just decked him. It was like a half punch, half body check. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Randall was immediately tackled by Cleveland's first baseman, and a vicious brawl ensued. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. With the crowd. I mean, great. Let me just interject quickly. Great for like reactionary entertainment purposes. Like, I would not condone the violence. But. In general, but. You've never seen it. Well, as ever, a gladiatorial entertainment aspect. Yes. I'm down. So, one of the first highlights you will see when you look up Lenny Randall. Of course. Uh, so, either way, it, it was in Texas, so. The crowd antagonized Cleveland players to the point where some of them had to be held back by other teammates from getting into the crowd and f- fighting the crowd. Uh, so shit was real bad. Fighting after the that. crowd. So yeah. So he he did that, and then just pandemonium ensues. Um, Fucking roof blows off the place. So there's no roof. But. No. The teams were set to play five days later in Cleveland, and when asked about retaliation in the Rangers. Uh, or the Rangers mar- manager Billy Martin said there won't be enough of them in the stands for it to matter because <laughs> Cleveland fucking doesn't have fans back in the 70s I guess uh, it's what Major League was based on basically yeah <laughs> that is a whole movie series based on that concept uh, so unfortunately do you know where this is going Edzie I just want to know if you know where this is going I don't know where it's going I, I'm wondering if you're going in, this is my guess though are you going into the direction of the Texas Rangers have nothing to be stoked about except punching guys in the face oh shit well absolutely that's the underlying message to all of my baseball talks <laughs> okay um, but <laughs> No. All right. <laughs> so Martin would eat his words as the infamous 10-cent beer night took place in Cleveland. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this is That's, a terrible yeah, event. Yeah. So the 10-cent well beer out. night is, is something that everyone should look up. But here's the Coles notes. Thousands of fans thirsty for beer and vengeance because <laughs> of what Randall had done. <laughs> so they were all expecting a big brawl. Right. And... Ten cent beer, ten pen, ten cent beer night. Yeah, oh, like, and they were absolutely they wanted revenge on the the they wanted to heckle the shit out of the Rangers. The players. absolute lack of foresight by Bill Veek <laughs> in this situation is fucking astounding. It is astounding. It's absolutely amazing. Carry on. So uh, basically, they all got wasted and destroyed the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Rangers were awarded the victory by forfeit. And many speculate Randall's attack on Johnson was the first of many decisions that created the embarrassing spectacle in Cleveland. So it was like the first domino to fall that led to the 10 cent beer night, which is just an absolute that and like the disco night in Chicago are probably like the two like just like worst. I don't know. We could probably find They're more. Pretty bad the longer promotions. we do this podcast, the, yeah, the worst <laughs> promotions we'll find. Uh, um, so, yes, another moment in history where he was front and center. Uh, Randall put up solid numbers. 
1975, but his stats slipped in a dismal 1976, and he hit just 224 uh, with only 18 extra base hits in nearly 600 at bats. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a fall from grace. Frank Lucchesi had taken over for Billy Martin midway through 1975, and clearly Randall did not have the same respect he had for his former war veteran manager. Uh, the Rangers were sucking at this point. Like, they were they were not a good... Well, they were they were the Senators up until 71, right? So uh-huh. they they came in. They didn't weren't doing much better. I think Billy... They had, like, an okay year in, in 75, but in 70 or 76, they just... Not so good. Anyways, uh, during spring training in 1977, they were auditioning highly touted prospect Bump Willis. Bump Wills. Bump Wills. Bump Wills. Amazing name. I've... I've- He's come up in some of the research I've been... Well, nice. not necessarily the next one, but I've heard his name before. Yeah. So... Great name. Okay. He was he was a first-round pick. Everybody kind of expected him uh, to be finding a place on the field really soon, and it looked like that place was going to be Randall's place. Uh, oh. Randall did not feel like he was getting a fair look to keep his job, and he almost walked out of spring training, but convinced otherwise by teammates. So his teammates were like, you know... Just hanging in there. Stick around, Randall. After Lachesi heard about that, he is reported to have said, it's just too damn bad that somebody stopped him from leaving. (laughs) I'm tired of these punks saying, play play me or trade me. Anyone who makes $80,000 a year and gripes and moans all spring is not going to get a tear out of me. So, how much does he make? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, eighty grand back Probably in like less. the mid '70s. That's good, but like that's still like nowhere near. That's not what they're making now. No, no. Um, not that. Anyway, it would be. It would probably be like equivalent to like eight hundred, maybe not even like a few hundred. Why are thousand. we trying to speculate? I don't know. We could just look it we up. We could just look it up, but, but we don't we're not want gonna. to. Yeah, fuck it. So Lucchesi was right. <laughs> it was too damn bad, especially for him. That is. For Lucchesi. Yeah. Why? So on March 27th, about an hour before the Rangers were set to take on the Minnesota Twins in a spring training game, Randall and Lucchesi had a con- confrontation that would end with Lucchesi in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> Whatever was said, it was finished with a right, then a left, then another right from Randall. Uh, Lucchesi was hospitalized with a broken jaw and a concussion. Lucchesi said... He got a few lucky punches in there, but I still feel I won the fight. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse was, I looked it up, he was like 50, 51 in this time. Yeah. So, I mean, he, it's still, it was not a good look for Lenny Randall, that's for sure. Uh, so he hospitalized his manager, being like, you don't play me enough, and I'm going to be on this team, or trade me, or whatever. And then he, he beat the crap out of his manager, who somewhat sounded like a dick, though, so... So, yeah. Once again... Water under the bridge. Violence. Can- cancels each other out. Yeah, violence not good, but don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> Randall, Randall was immediately suspended for 30 days, and criminal charges were brought forward. He was found guilty of a misdemeanor charge and was forced to pay Lucchesi's medical bills and was sued by his former coach as well. They settled out of court a year and a half later for an undisclosed fee. Okay. Uh, his teammates spoke out against Randall. Some vowed never to play with him again. And it was pretty clear Randall's time with the Rangers was over. Mm-hmm. He was traded to the Mets on April 26, 1977 for cash and a player to be named later. Randall had got 
a second chance with the Mets, and right away he took advantage. So he's got a fire in his belly. Yeah. Chip on his shoulder. Chip on his shoulder. Blood on his knuckles. Blood on his knuckles. <laughs> uh, his first game, his first games as a Met, he collected, uh, or his first game, he collected three hits, scored two runs, and stole a base. That's pretty good. Uh, pretty he, good debut. That'll he had, get the fans behind you. Well, he had 10 multi-hit games in his first 25 games. Fuck. Yeah, and batted well over 300 for the month of May. Remember, he was suspended pretty much for all of April. Right. right. Um, so he's just hitting the ground running. Yep. Once again, the Mets suck too, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, on July 13th, 1977, Randall was once again front and center in a notorious event in both baseball and American history. In American si- history? Yeah. Okay. In the sixth Lay inning, on me. Randall walked up to the plate. Right as Cubs pitcher Ray Burris released the ball, the lights went out in New York City. And they would not come back on again for 25 hours. Just Did they keep playing? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> God damn. So, the New York blackout of 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is right in the middle of the summer of Sam and all this crazy shit yeah. going on. Uh, rioting caused over $300 million. Summer of Sam, if you don't know, was like a serial killer was on the loose. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah. There was a riot. There was rioting, looting. People were taking stuff. I read like some of the Mets pl- or the Cubs players talking about just being like on the bus back to the hotel and just like seeing people walking down the street carrying TVs and and smashing windows and just stealing cars and all this. Um, so they ransacked over fifteen hundred stores. Thousands were arrested. Uh, but in the first seconds of the bla- of the blackout, Randall hit the pitch. At least according to Randall. <laughs> I smoked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he claims that I swung just as the lights went out, Randall said, uh, MLB, on the MLB Network special. I thought I hit it, so I ran all the way to second. The umpire's like, no, no, it's not going to count. I said, I hit it. I'm staying here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're having a standoff in the blackout. Yeah. But second the, base. But the pitcher, Burris, tells a different story, claiming that he never actually released the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I never threw it. He told Vice, uh, Vice Media in uh, 2017, I noticed Lenny had taken a phantom swing, pretending to hit the ball, and started running the bases. <laughs> I thought, what in the world is he doing? I had the ball in my hand. <laughs> if memory serves, I tried to hit him, like throw it at him, as he rounded second. I'll have Rube Waddell. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny was a colorful character, loved to compete, and it was great having him as a teammate on the Yankees a couple of years later. <laughs> so it was, he took it in good stride. Yeah. But Lenny, I don't know who to believe. Probably the pitcher, but but who knows? Well, you would believe that as a former pitcher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Randall wanted the game to continue, lights or not. <laughs> but there's, like, no lights, right? It's not even like there's the glow no, there's from no the city. anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so what? I, I don't need to get into it, but, like, a, basically a lightning storm had struck, like, up the Hudson River and some transformer or whatever that powered New York City had gone out. Uh, it... Not a well-designed grid. No, no, not at the time. It did not... Uh, and there was major... Like, New York City was broke, and they weren't spending on infrastructure. So right. that when that happened, yes. people were like, of course it's going to happen. Let's blow this shit up. Yeah. So, anyways, getting back to this. Um, 
<laughs> Let's get away from the politics in New York in the late 70s. Okay, so back to Randall claiming he got this fucking hit. <laughs> we we played imaginary... Okay, yeah, so this is what happened after the lights went out. We played imaginary baseball. It was the best his- infield in the history of the Mets. It was phenomenal. The fans gave us a standing ovation. Back then, everyone had a better sense of humor about the game. We had fun, and I still want that hit back. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. So darkness enveloped Shea Stadium and all of New York City. Uh, they, they, yeah, it was just basically, uh, of course, the Yankees were out of town and the Mets were in town when all this happened because the Mets were horrible and the Yankees were the golden child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Mets sucked, plain and simple. Randall was the only bright spot on the team. I, I don't know how I missed this. Where did I not play this? But either way, they did, oh, yeah. So they did, like, double when they did this phantom infield. So they took turns trying to turn, like, the fanciest double plays. Basically. With, like, just, like, just, like, pretending to turn double. Like, just think of so it. so fucking stupid. No, it's fun. They're having fun. It's so dumb. No. With a phantom ball? Who's who's batting? Maybe they had no idea. The lights were out. They weren't playing anymore. They just decided to, like, just go out and, like, entertain the fans by doing some, like, hotshot shit. It was great. Without a ball. I don't know, ball or not. There's no runner, there's no batter. So I don't like, want to watch that. Oh, well, then go home, dear <laughs> uh, dark apartment. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. Where the fuck else am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, anyways. So right, the, the, Mets, the Mets sucked. Uh, in 1977, they also got fleeced for Tom Seaver. They traded Tom Seaver to the, the Reds in, in, in June and just got absolutely destroyed in that trade. Idiots. Uh, Randall's up and down career continued. In 78, just over 500 plate appearances. He hit once again, just 233. Although, once again, he did have a 330 on base percentage, but ho-hum back in the 70s. They weren't really looking at that. Mm-hmm. He was a leadoff hitter, right? So he wasn't going to cut it as a leadoff hitter to just hit 230 or 220. Yeah. Uh, at the end of spring training, 1979, he was released by the Mets and eventually signed with the Giants on a, ma- on a minor league deal in May. Played a little bit of minor or triple A. Uh, in June, he was traded to the Pirates. Uh, I think Dave Roberts was in that trade, too. Current manager for the the Dodgers. Yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but he didn't play a game for either organization in the MLB level. Uh, wasn't too long, though, uh, before history uh, got its hooks into Randall again. Uh, on August 2nd, Thurman Munson, the star player for the New York Yankees, star catcher, uh, died in a plane crash in Ohio. Uh-huh. Uh, so the baseball world and the Yankees obviously were devastated. Uh, Munson was an MVP, an all-star, and a multiple-time World Series champion. Arguably a Hall of Famer. I, he wasn't a, he? If he had a, he, oh, I don't yeah. think he's in there, but really? he, uh, it, because of the shortness of his career. Yeah, well, I'd be interested um, to, to see. I thought I might have read some like that, but I don't have it in front anyway, of me. Anyway, that's He's probably a whole... Yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> That could be a different episode. Um, So the Yankees needed to fill the roster spot, and they turned to the Pirates and purchased Randall's contract. So he replaced Thurman Munson. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, on the Yankees. Is is that what you're implying? Kind of, but he didn't really play that much. He played about 20 games as he was kind of like a fourth outfielder. Okay. A pinch runner, just... So he's not really there to necessarily replace Munson per se. Yeah, he's just he, there to, he filled his spot filled on the, the rosters. Spot. The Yankees were like, Thurman Munson's dead. We need a dude. Yeah. Lenny Randall. Let's get that dude to punch that guy. <laughs> he seems all right. <laughs> so uh, 
he didn't re-sign with the Yankees. Instead, he signed with the Mariners in the offseason, but had his contract purchased by the Cubs in spring training 1980. Once again, he bounced back. For the Cubs, he hit 276 with a strong on-base percentage, having a very respectable season, and most likely prolonging his career a few years. Uh, he was like on the ropes, and he comes back with the Cubs and manages to do that. Mm-hmm. So he revives his career, but not only does he do that, he also tried his hand at a little thing called stand-up comedy, which, if you no, know, he didn't. He's 1980s in Chicago. Oh no! So <laughs> he once shared the stage with the Belushi brothers. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So <laughs> he performed stand-up normally after Cubs games. He would go and do his thing, do so like just go shower up after the game and then go to a hop comedy along club. over the comedy club. He said, "I'd." Nice. I'd do six minutes, and they'd give me a steak. <laughs> yeah, I think he just liked it and was like, hey, I'm Lenny Randall. Let me let me try that. And managed to get like, a solid six minutes together. Yeah, and a T-bone steak. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you didn't say it was a T-bone or not, but... It was a steak. It was probably a T-bone. Yeah, he told that to Rolling Stone in, in 2015. So, after one year in the Windy City, he signed yet again with Seattle. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He's just like, I really want to play in Seattle, but don't lose me this time. Uh, this time... <laughs> He played for the Mariners, actually, and thank God he did, because if not, we wouldn't have had one of the greatest bloopers of all time. Oh, another video? Another video. All right. We'll find out. Is that allowed? We'll find out. You've seen that before. You've had to I think I've seen that before. Yeah. Fuck. I haven't seen that in a long time. That's really funny. It's a good one. So on May 27th, 1981, the Royals' Amos Otis hit a weak ground ground ball down the third baseline at the Kingdome in Seattle. Three Mariners players, including Randall... AstroTurf. Yes. Surrounded the ball, and it looked like it may roll foul. Randall not taking any chances... Excuse me. Uh, dropped, <laughs> dropped, <laughs> dropped on all fours. Put his face inches away from the from the slow rolling ball. Took a deep breath and began to blow the ball uh, towards foul territory. That's fucking awesome. Uh, while also crawling up the line at the same time, at pretty much the same speed as the ball. The ball crossed the line and was ruled a foul ball by umpire Larry McCoy. At first. At first. At first. So the crowd gasped and applauded in amusement, as you just did, <laughs> yeah. uh, having witnessed something both hilarious and unheard of in baseball history. Well, and also the display of, of athleticism. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. Yeah, he like, is he's absolutely. He's crawling along the ground. He's. We can. We'll, we'll see the replay here. I'll just turn the. This, look at that. Like, like, look at that. He's just he's yeah. down and it. Yeah, he's probably six inches away when he gets the first first blow in. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> anyway, they yeah. can't see that. So they can't see carry it. On. Check it out. Uh, it's definitely the first thing that comes up when you YouTube Lenny Randall. Okay. Uh, so uh, Larry McCoy ruled a foul at first, the, uh, but uh, Kansas City manager Jim Frey immediately ran out of the dugout pretty pissed off I uh, could imagine so saying Randall had interfered with the trajectory of the ball <laughs> so after a little bit of conferring the umpires agreed and awarded Otis uh, first base uh, so it was like a- I think that's fair yeah I mean like 
who knows? Like it's in, like you can sometimes you watch a video and you're like, yeah, he definitely did. But other times you're like, no, like I don't know. Mm. I I eh. he blew that foul. He fucking blew that foul 100%. All right. Well, according to Randall, I didn't blow it. <laughs> he also got a hit that wasn't really a hit. <laughs> okay. So. I used the power of suggestion. I yelled at it, go foul, go foul. <laughs> Son of a bitch ball. <laughs> How could they call that a hit? It was a foul ball. <laughs> there was like a protest about this, and there was a rule passed, which is basically the Lenny Randall rule. <laughs> That, like, you can't blow it? You can't blow it. Like, you can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. These are some great rules. Years later, he would also say, it's just another version of small ball to me. <laughs> oh, I'll do anything I can to win, so let's go. And just Once again, it's just... I'll poke a man's <laughs> eye. <laughs> so, the play... Still, to this day, is shared uh, around... I don't know what we're watching here. Uh, the play to this day is still shared uh, around the world on the internet, obviously. And uh, it was also somewhat duplicated by Kevin Seitzer in 1987, though Seitzer's ball stayed fair. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, was, I think he was just kind of... He was trying to blow it? Yeah, yeah, oh, but, he, okay. but he, does, he doesn't try as hard as Randall. <laughs> he just kind of... I think he's more jokingly did it. I mean, like, remember when Randall did this? Yeah. So, uh... So Randall, um, that was Randall's first year in Seattle. Obviously, like moments like that, and his uh, reputation made him uh, made him a star, uh, even though he wasn't a star player. Um, but uh, well, he's an entertainer, clearly. You say so. He's doing all this stuff, and then you he gets say on stage. So. And now, what do you got? You got more? Well. Here's a uh, oh, fucking right. Another here's video. a promo for. So in '81, there was a player strike. Really, a, a brief... By the way, that's a whole other episode. After the players' strike, uh, obviously they were trying to convince fans to come back, and here's what the Mariners decided to do. So he is an entertainer. He is so entertaining. He is. I want one of those jackets. He is. Uh, so Holy that was God. a Mariners promo trying to, you know, giving kids uh. 14 under a free jacket. Um, oh, that wouldn't fit me. No, definitely not. Uh, so while in Seattle, Randall not only played... Get a free jacket. <laughs> not only did he play third base and make amazing promo videos for the Mariners, he also sang in a band. Of course he did. <laughs> what was his band called? Oh, buddy. Lenny Randall and the and and the Bandles. No, no. Oh. I always say the, but it's just Lenny Randall and ball players. Lenny Randall and ball players. That's it. Okay. Uh, That's actually a pretty good name. I knew it was gonna have his name. Yes, uh, definitely. He was front and center. So uh, sometimes, along with Mariners teammate Thad Bosley, who had his own musical career after or during his baseball career too. Also a really interesting person. Check him uh, out on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> Randall would uh, Randall would make music and eventually cut an electro-funk album Just a Chance with his band Lenny Randall and Ballplayers. It sounds great, honestly. S- songs like Kingdom and I'm a Ballplayer 
Pat Dabbler's favorite song. Um, <laughs> we're big hits with no, the that's, se- that's the sequel. He's a ball player. <laughs> yeah. So there were big hits with Seattle fans, and copies of the album are still sought out to this day. So like you can like it's it goes for like hundreds of dollars. JP, if you're listening, do you know about this? This is a so so the only uh, the only song available still on like Spotify uh, is Kingdom, uh, which was especially a big hit with M's fans. And the only song, as I said, available still on Spotify, it features Randall's on vocal and cowbell, his brother Ron on most of the other instruments, his 10-year-old niece, uh, Rishana, and M's teammates Larry Anderson, Brian Clark, Al Cohen's, Julio Cruz, Dick Drago, uh, all on backing vocals. Randall wanted the song to be high energy, parter starter for M's fans. Are you ready? I'm ready. Funky. It's electro funk, man. Explain the dance. Uh, Is it just like picking up pace, Ala? Like uh, the saddest day. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it, it gets a little like I can cut forward a little bit if we get back. Oh yeah, and a lot of horns. Very horny. <laughs> Alright, you get you get the idea. We can't play too much more of this. Yeah. Um. So, uh, that is the kingdom. Like, just why is that not played at every Mariners game ever? Well, they don't play at the kingdom anymore. Well, they but they still didn't play that song. AT and T Park. AT and T Field. Is it AT and T? Yeah, it's not safe going. Oh anymore. yeah, that's right. Uh, the music wasn't looked kindly on by Mariners management. Aww. that's why it wasn't played Aww, there. Fuck you guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Randall told uh, Fox Sports in 2015 the ownership thought it was a distraction. Every city the Mariners played in, somebody would also want to book a show for the band uh, or put us on the news of some kind. Uh, the front so office just don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, so the front office was like, "Well, what are you doing? Are you a baseball player or a musician?" Like, just being dicks. Uh, once again, don't be a dick. Sons uh, of bitches. It it pissed them off, uh, and they were worried about our concentration. Uh, this is long before Shaq and Dion. Okay, it was before Super Bowl Shuffle. Athletes making music wasn't a normal thing back then. So I wouldn't say it's like a regular thing these days, but yeah, but I mean, it's probably more accepted. Yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Um, there's also a cut on the album that I could not find uh, entitled "Mr. Rogers Gets Down with Muhammad Ali and ET." That's a very specific title. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, there's one called "American Worker." I got a few of these, but I, I don't think we should play. It. You can find uh, "Kingdom." I'm a ball player and American worker on YouTube. You can find "Kingdom" on Spotify. Um, but here's the thing: Randall wasn't just making music for himself. The entire thing started when Randall became friends with a young Mariners fan with cerebral palsy. Randall learned the young boy needed $5,000 voice synthesizer. Synthesizer. There we go. Uh, He decided to make a record to raise the money. 
in the end, it's he raised... very ra- honorable. Yeah, and he raised 20000 They didn't need him 5000 They raised 20000 Exactly. Raised, so he got him four yeah. voice boxes. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying he raised more money, and he made music, because he loved music. Like, his brother played instruments. Like, he always said they were a very in- music-based family. family and stuff like that. And he loved it. He's clearly a pretty creative guy. Yeah. And he just wanted to make it. He was like, hey, this fan needs it. You know, if I can do this for him, and he did, and management shit all over him and didn't play the song at the kingdom. Sons of bitches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Uh, for all the hubbub in Seattle, Randall's time there was short. Halfway through the 1982 season, he was released by the Mariners. On June 18th, he had his final MLB at bat where he hit a single. Good for him. Uh, he had an option to continue at AAA, but decided to move on. So his mm-hmm. MLB career's Done. Dunzo now. So that's not a bad career. What year did you say that was? See, so he eighty. He was drafted in seventy. Yeah. D- debut in seventy two, I think. So he's he's had like a nine year career, pretty that's much. Not bad. Yeah, but it's more than I've had. Off and on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was he was basically would have a good year, bad year. That's good a gassy year. beer, eh? Yeah. No, it's a it's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, uh, good year, bad year type of player, and eventually, you know. He was early 30s. Uh, he was out of the game. Oh, so he thought. Not sure what to do. Randall was urged by former manager and mentor Ted Williams to go to Italy and play for Nettuno, uh, a resort city about 40 miles away from Rome and extremely, extremely close to where his father landed on Anzio decades earlier. Okay. Uh, this is going to get interesting here, I think. Yeah. Oh, my grandfather also landed on Anzio, too. So that, that's also a little, little tidbit. That's a cool little, little tidbit. Little fun tidbit. fact there about Sean's so, grandfather. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's going to play in the Italian Baseball League, uh, otherwise known as Italian Serie A1. And there was Italian Serie A2 and A3, so it's like the tiers of the league. What about B1, too? I don't three? know. I didn't look that far. Well, was it necessary to have A and a number? Well, because they, they do it like soccer, where they like relegate teams. So if you're in like the bottom two, there's ten teams in Series A1. If you're in the bottom two teams, you go down to B. Right, right. But my point, my two, point is like what? The, the A is irrelevant if there's no B. I don't care. Anyway, splitting hairs here. <laughs> this is not what this podcast is yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he flourished in the Italian Serie A1 league. Serie A1. Hitting 477 in Holy his first Christ. year. Uh, 1983. Yeah, he won the batting title that no year. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had almost 500. Uh, he was the first ever former MLB player to play professionally in Italy. I did find some other people being like, yeah, there was a few other guys, but they literally only had like four or five games in the MLB. Like they weren't really like professional MLB players yeah. that, that made their debut it's in Italy. In the, coffee yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, well. Regardless, uh, so he won the batting title uh, and the country fell in love with him. The same can be said about it, or the same can be said about him falling in love with Italy. He was affectionately known as Cappuccino, <laughs> which is minorly racist, maybe, if, since Randall is a black man. But, yes. like, uh, it's uh, because he seemingly had... It's better en- than other things they could have called him, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemingly had endless energy, big smile, and a reliance on little sleep each night. So he barely... He's a partier. Burning burn the candle at both ends. Yeah, well, we know that already. He was a stand-up and right, a musician, yeah. and he'd go. Yeah, from not necessarily his, partying, but but yeah, he's a late night guy, yeah, and he's uh, a night owl. Uses his energy all up. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so Italy revitalized his love for the game. In 1995, he told the Tampa Bay Times, playing baseball in Italy was like finding the fountain of youth. Guys over there learn how to relax and enjoy the game. It is easy because there's no stress. Uh, he would play four games, or four seasons, sorry, in Italy from 1983 to 1986 and made a brief attempt at a comeback in 1995 with the California Angels, but fell short. That is a long time. I know. Between... Well, he would have been... Like, he was already, like, He would have been, like, 46. <laughs> yeah. He would have been 46 in 19... Did no one was like Lenny, man. No. Maybe you should just go up to the comedy store. <laughs> You know, like we're here in L.A. (laughs) There's this lady, Mitzi. Yeah, well, he loved Italy so much that he made it his permanent home. Okay. Uh, For him him and his whole family. Uh, To this day, he still lives there and conducts baseball clinics across the country, hoping one day to find the next Joe DiMaggio or Mike Piazza in small town Italy. It's got to be an Italian guy, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the examples I pulled, right? Oh. <laughs> they're, they're like you, ah, Yo- Yogi Berra. Right, like, you right. know, he, it's not a... But basically, you know, obviously soccer is number one. And mm-hmm. even like rugby and cycling and stuff like that are all big there. Yeah, I never really... Whenever the World Baseball Classic's on, I'm not looking at Italy as like the powerhouse of yeah. the tournament ever. Yeah, yeah, If yeah. they're even ever in it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, he spends much of his time promoting the game. He also serves as manager, general manager, and co-owner for... Net- the Savannah Bananas. Net- <laughs> <laughs> Netuno, Netuno, the team he played for, whom he re- commonly refers to as the Italian Yankees. So okay. There's actually two teams in Natuno. So Natuno, like right near the Anzio beachhead. So like a lot of Americans landed there and were stuck there uh, during the Anzio beachhead. So the Americans landed yeah. at Anzio. Basically, they were stuck in southern Italy, decided to do like a swoop around, land at Anzio, which is pretty close to Rome, only like, mm-hmm. you know, an hour's drive from Rome. So they basically decided we're going to land at this. We'll take Rome take down Italy all at once and the Germans and the Italians won't know what the hell to do. Yeah. Um, but they got bogged down and so they started playing baseball. Yeah. They, yeah. they were, they were stuck there for like four, four months or so, right. uh, you know, getting shelled and in foxholes, but in the back part of the lines, uh, especially on the beaches, like Natuno, uh, they could play baseball and they actually introduced it to the Italians and that was like the first league or the first team of like the league. I think the league was mm-hmm. inaugurated in 47 or 48. Oh, yeah, I have it right here. League has 10 teams and it's been playing since 1948. There you so, go. Uh, yeah. Uh, on top of that, he conducts college expos with his family, mentors youth on life away from sports, and owns a clothing line. What, like, exactly. How Why, many things what? has he done? He makes shoes. <laughs> His son had a brief stint in the NFL. I believe he played for the Vikings, uh, as well as the CFL. His nephew, uh, Tyus Edney, and cousin Marcus Johnson are both former UCLA and NBA stars. Uh, He is a big advocate for Italian baseball and says he actually had... It's actually hard to persuade kids to take a chance at an MLB career. He told Rolling Stone in 2015... We only play two or three games a week over here, and players get tax-free money. 
They get to they get a free place to stay. Transportation is first class, and they get a five course meal at lunch and dinner. Uh, because eating over here is religion, just like his dad found out when his dad was yeah. there. <laughs> so you're gonna give you up utopia to go live in the states and and have a have drama and have all your money taken away from you by taxes. You're treated like a gladiator over here. Then you go to double A or triple A and you can't get enough meal money to buy two Subway sandwiches or lunch at a hometown buffet. He's <laughs> got a damn point. Yeah, he does. So yeah, he's like, if you're, if you're good enough to be like a Italian uh, star. Well, yeah. If you, and like, if you play on like the national team, you get like 80,000 euros a year and you just, you just, you just play ball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you got your accommodations, your food. Like, it's just uh-huh. like, it's like, you're not getting MOB player rich, but you're well taken care of and yeah. you don't have a lot of expenses and yeah, you're playing baseball. So he, he, so Randall tried to convince Mark Texiera to join him and co-own the team and stuff. And he's like, just tries to get, he's like, man, we got to like make Italy into like the next, the next place. Thing. And he's just like, he's like, I want like winter ball to be like, like in like Southern Italy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, all about he's ambitious about and he it. loves italy he just loves yeah. italy well it sounds nice yeah you know um so he once again talking to rolling stone he said uh, you know how the nfl teams go over to london and play there well that's what i want to do he i want the cubs to go i want to bring the cubs to rome that would be awesome do you know how much publicity there would be for that it's just like yes there yes, would be lots would be a of lot. yeah. <laughs> um I mean, how much was have they they have they have they haven't done that yet, have they? No, they've done in London. Yeah, I was going to say because that London New York Boston series had a lot of hype around it. So, yeah, and anyway. and they've done the Tokyo series and right. and all that. Um, so, uh, yeah, he wants he's a big advocate. He wants MLB to come. He lives there. He loves baseball and he lives in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so basically, now you get why the documentary was called the most interesting man in baseball yeah he probably doesn't always drink beer but when he does he drinks dos Equis. <laughs> <laughs> so he still lives in italy speaks five language five languages <laughs> i don't speak That's one right. apparently speak one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's artistic sensible smart educated knowledgeable sometimes violent and has been present to see some of baseball's Greatest and strangest moments. Uh, he truly is one of the most remarkable players to have ever played in the MLB. Yeah, that's that's. We've done a few profiles on this podcast. Yeah, and that's probably that's probably the most. I mean, it had multimedia, so that contributed to it. But like, that was fun. That was like a fun one to listen to. It was and it, watch. Well, it's just it's just mind blowing when you like just take it all in. Like you just there's very few people you can just like create a list. And it's not, and some of it's not even like achievements, right? Some of it's just like time and place, mm-hmm. like for the blackout and stuff like that. Like he was just happened to be there for Thurman Munson's. Yeah, he just happened to be Which there. Which is a good like Forrest Gump was like a good comparison for that because there's a lot of situations in Forrest Gump where it's not by talent or anything like that he just happens to be in a significant place in a significant time and regardless it's just I don't know he, uh, other than other than uh, 
beating up his coach. He just sounded like a great, (laughs) great guy to be around and a great teammate. Like just somebody that always tried to keep it light, Mm -hmm. always tried to just be having fun. It was just like, hey, there's more to life than just winning this baseball. But at the same time, he he was a wanted to win the baseball game. Just the perfect combination between fun and serious, and like just. He, he was on stage with the Belushi brothers. He wrote, he has an album that's still mm. sought out to the, he's a clothing line. He speaks yeah. five languages. Like dude's present, man. Dude is present. Uh, so, uh, that was Lenny Randall. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what we didn't do at the top of the episode, social media, social media. Yeah. 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 Follow us on Twitter at doing baseball and Instagram at doing dot baseball. Yeah. Uh, been kind of, drop the ball a little not drop the ball just kind of been on like a little wave of silence on the instagram right now but check it out doing dot baseball we're gonna be uh soon booting back up and bringing you daily baseball history podcast or <laughs> daily baseball history content pictures I'm like, not we're podcast. not doing it we daily. Not, uh, fucking said two weeks ago that there people were complaining that it was bi-weekly and they, they want it weekly fuck it we're doing it daily man doing it daily we're not doing it daily no you know what if you have a hundred thousand dollars per year to give both of us we can do it daily that's right 100 percent. we will do it every day every day i will spend six yeah, to eight hours that's our solicitation a day. right there yeah like. exactly i mean weekdays too like i'm not doing it on weekends yeah <laughs> we're still five like, shows a week five shows a week maybe yeah. four you know this four day work week thing it's kind of cool you're not good at negotiating i'm just shut up give us your yeah, money just give us your money um all right i think oh, let's put on uh lenny randall and ball players i'm a ball player to uh take, to, us, to out, take us out here. take us out here i'm uh sean and i'm eds and we're doing some baseball Woo! jesus christ He's fucking tone deaf, though. <laughs>